And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Might help if I turn the microphone on. Sorry about that. All right. My apologies for being late, ladies and gentlemen. I, uh, I rabbit-holed into a couple of things and lost track of time. Uh, first of all, Offering condolences to the family and friends and, and team of, of, of Rush Limbaugh. Uh, he passed away today, age 70. And whatever you may think of the man, uh, he was certainly an influential voice in conservative media uh, and had a great deal of impact on media in general. And uh, it predictably has blown up on Twitter with all sorts of uh, people uh, showing their true colors and uh, and celebrating the death of a, uh, of someone that you know you for those for those who are who are dancing a jig today probably had never met the man had probably never had any interaction with him at all uh, probably did not know him personally on any level and the hot takes are vile and reprehensible and completely uncalled for. And I would say the same, you know, I, I, I was not on board uh, anybody celebrating the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for example. I don't think that there's a place for that in a civilized society. When we start celebrating the death of people just because they hold different values than we do, then we've we've crossed a line that I don't think we're going to recover from. So there is that. I'm sure everybody's going to have their various different things that they want to say about it, different uh, different thoughts about it. Uh, let me do our, our usual bit of business. The chat's open. The comments are open. If you are listening as a, a podcast form, and you're looking for a player, we do have iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Double Twist, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Pocket Cast, where you can see, where you can hear, rather, this show. And I uh, want to follow up. Last week, we had as our guest Tony Weisskopf, the editor and publisher over at Bayon Books. And on Tuesday, Larry Correa posts on his blog Monster Hunter Nation he is a he's an award-winning best-selling author and is published by Ban and he posts over on his blog how now they are coming after Ban books and we it was only a matter of time and I said as much after my interview with Tony uh, you know I'm I've really been surprised that the hate mob has not come after Ban prior to now. But they have, and they are out in force this week. And it comes from uh, this... It comes from this article from Jason Sanford. And this is on his Patreon, but he's made it free and available for public viewing because, of course, the hit piece will get more mileage that way. 
And this is in regard to the discussion forum known as Bayon's Bar, which has been around for a couple of decades. And it was one of the early discussion forums of its type, uh, especially in genre circles. Uh, you had the Whedon, you know, the Whedon board, and you had a couple of others. But Bayon's Bar has been there for a very long time, and it was a way that Jim Bayon came up with for writers and editors and the publishing staff to interact with readers and fans. And those discussion threads uh, were long, and, and a lot of them have gotten long in the tooth because of how, how long they've been going. I myself have not participated in this board because I was not an author, for one. And it's just, you know, like everything else, any kind of a discussion thread or anything uh, of that sort is a time suck whenever you get into it. But Jason Sanford here has made accusations that Bayon's Bar has been used to advocate for political violence and hate speech and racism and whatever other things that you want to say in there. And there's various reactions, of course, from the Bayon fandom... Uh, people who are looking at this, and and Tony has posted this response. They have shut down temporarily. Uh, they've temporarily suspended Bayon's Bar, and I think it's probably a smart thing to do. As people have pointed out in the discussion thread on Larry's blog, that uh, shutting it down for now, gives them an opportunity to go through all of the posts, all of the code, and identify, potentially, identify the bad actors, identify the people who have uh, signed up recently and started uh, posting and, and agitating and whatnot. Because... Sanford is using in his po in his in his article here several posts that uh, reading the discussion these posts have been taken out of context and that's what these journalists do is they take something they they decide what the narrative is and then they go find things that fit the narrative it's not the other way around you, it if you're going to report and this, this goes back to my distinction between reporters and journalists. If you're going to report the news, then you find the facts and you report them and the conclusions come after that. You don't draw a conclusion first and then find material that will fit your narrative. That's how we get Russiagate. That's not a productive way of doing business. And, and Bayon has taken the stance that we're not going to police your speech, your grown-ups behave like, um, like grown-ups. You're responsible for the words that you create. We are not. And within a certain degree of accountability, responsibility, I mean, there are certain things that a reasonable person would expect that the moderators and the publishers of the of the forum would delete 
you know, if they're calling, if, if there's any kind of, of illegal activity or, or that sort of thing. But this article here selectively quotes pieces of a discussion and it's been pointed out and I've, I, you know, again, I have not participated in the bulletin board. I have not participated in these discussions. So I'm getting, I'm getting all of this second and third hand from people who have been there. And the majority of the analysis is, one, Jason Sanford is a hack who doesn't know what he's talking about. Two, the possibility exists and is highly likely, according to this, these discussions, it's highly likely that these posts, uh, some of which are saying, you know, we really should kind of watch our, our mind our P's and Q's and so far, are plants, whether they're bots or sock puppets or whatnot. And these posts are planted in order to demonstrate that there are reasonable people on the Bayan forums, but look at all of this other hate and vitriol. And a lot of these discussions, with Bayan being so far into publishing military science fiction and hard science fiction, there are a lot of what-if discussions. There are a lot of simulation discussions. Well, if this happens, what would this do? If this happens, what would, what would happen over here? And out of those discussions are various different scenarios, Civil War scenarios, apocalypse scenarios, nuclear fallout scenarios. There's various different discussions about what we would do as a society if X happens, what if the government collapses? What if the government decides to suspend the Constitution? What if, what if, what if? And it's out of these what if threads that Sanford is pulling various different posts that illustrate his narrative that Bayon is full of wrong think people. Now, the discussion over on Larry's thread really is kind of illuminating in and of itself, but uh, Larry adds in the article, besides Tony's official response, I'll get to that in a minute, but there's also a response here from David Weber, who posted over on uh, Facebook his reaction to all of this. And... David has been over there, and he's known Tony for 30 years. And he's, they're both saying, you know, this is hogwash, what these people are saying, about what Sanford has written about Ban. But it's exactly the same kind of thing when you had the media dogpile on the sad puppies back during the Hugo kerfuffle back in 2015, 2016. We're all equal, but some are more equal than others. This is the same kind of Animal Farm Fahrenheit 451 crap that we had to deal with back then. And, and I fully expect that it will not stop. As a matter of fact, we got a little bit of that over the weekend because we posted, uh, we posted our discussion of the Gina Carano situation at Ranker Pit 
last Friday night's discussion, we posted it in a group on Facebook that we have posted before. We've posted a number of things over there without any kind of uh, blowback or, or molestation or anything like that. But we post this one discussion about what's happening with Gina, and we have, we have crossed uh, a couple of, of items off the bucket list. We are now officially racists and transphobes. So I guess there's that. We're not Nazis yet. I guess we got to do better. I just, I don't know. It, it, and Sci-Fi Snob, you're right. Easy to do. Make a sock puppet account, post hate on ban, hit up your local reporter, mention all the hate on said site. Yeah. I mean, you're in, and, and that we've seen in a number of places. I mean, you look at what happened with, with the whole FISA thing with Russia. And the, the application basically said, here, we have this document. And then we have this news article about the document. And the news article was sourced from the same people who had the document in the first place. So it's not really a second source. So... I just... I just see this kind of thing. And yes, Snob, I am am very old-fashioned. It's... RJ in the in the chat social justice terrorists are emboldened more every day. I I don't I don't know if if it's so much that they're feeling emboldened. They've always been rather uh obvious about what they've been doing. And I think now Now I think, well, okay, I, I think I might, I might agree with you that they've been emboldened only, only so much because there are not enough people pushing back soon enough. It, the pushback didn't happen soon enough. The pushback was a little bit latent come in, in, you know, because conservative or not, and, and we've seen this with with people like Just Some Guy or or Clownfish TV or Jeremy at the Quartering. They're not Republicans. They're not conservatives. Tim Pool is another example. They are not conservatives, per se. Um, Clownfish. You've got Neon, who's a, a an avowed libertarian. Uh, moderate, uh, you know, center left libertarian. You've got uh, Geeky Sparkles, who's moderate center left. They are not in that same camp as you would, you know, expect from, you know, people who are outspoken against the cancel culture. But they're not. They're not far far enough to the lunatic fringe of the left. So they get smeared with that same alt-right label. And I'm sure we probably will get that as well. I've, I, I have had numerous conversations with Mr. Harvey about this and with Mrs. Boss. Discussing the fact that while we do our best to 
remain above the fray and not get into all of the internet drama because really who who needs that i'm already taking pills for my blood pressure getting into all of that muck is not productive one but it also puts you right in in the midst of the crossfire but I did tell Mr. Harvey, I was like, you know, one of these days, whether we choose or not, one of these days they're going to come for us. I fully expect that, you know, as small as we are, that's the only reason why we're not on certain people's radar yet. I think with only... 1500 plus subscribers this channel is not big enough to get noticed but you take that to 15,000 subscribers or 150,000 subscribers or a million subscribers I don't I'm I'm that's wishful thinking on my part I'm not expecting any particular number but what's the threshold at what point do we get big enough that we get noticed and the knives come out like they did over on this Facebook group when we posted this thing about Gina. Robert says, this is about the imposition of intersectional ideology. Which is, that's what systemic racism is all about. Critical Blast, RJ says, they got a scalp of Gina, now it's sharks with a hint of blood in the water. I think the sharks have been circling for a long time prior to what happened with Gina Carano. There has been blood and blood. Every single time somebody apologizes for some perceived slight, microaggression, insult, offense, any time somebody apologizes, whether they're, whether they're right or wrong, and in some cases, they have done nothing wrong, yet they feel compelled to apologize anyway because the wrong, the, the, a certain sector of, of the Internet was offended. But as soon as you apologize to these people, there's blood in the water. We've seen it happen over and over and over again. And speaking of apologies, we were talking about the whole the, the situation over at Lucasfilm. The article that came out earlier this week from Barry Weiss telling us that uh, that Carano was given a corporate written apology reinforces and I think confirms my suspicion that Pablo Hidalgo's apology was written by someone else. Meaning, the PR flunkies said... You go out and say this, and let's smooth some feathers, and then stick your head, put your head down, and shut up. Hidalgo did it, which means it's not a sincere apology. It's just corporate told me to do this, and so I'm going to do this. Now the difference there is that Gina went out and she said something, and and offered a sort of apology in her own words, basically trying to explain what her motives were and her intent was. But that's not good enough. Because her viewpoint doesn't align with what's accepted. And then we get confirmation of that in the Hollywood Reporter article 
quoting this PR uh, crisis management, you know, crisis communications guy who says, we're telling our people all the time to shut up and don't say anything that will offend the left. It's not, don't say anything that will offend anybody. Don't say anything that will offend your customers. Don't say anything that will offend your audience. It's don't say anything that will offend the left. Thus confirming the suspicions from a lot of people on both right and left sides of the aisle. Who, who basically sit there and say, we understand the stranglehold that a political ideology has on this industry. Yeah, Robert's right. Orwell called it two minutes of hate. Snob's right. Hidalgo doesn't have a job without Disney. Gina can work without Disney. Excellent point. And Hidalgo, and we reported last night on, on Salacious Crumbs, Hidalgo's latest book, The Visual Guide on the Mandalorian, is at the very least delayed in publication. Now, the reasons that were given were that original, the original reason it was given from an insider who was reporting to, I think, uh, was it The Direct, I think, is where that, that article was? It might have been Fanthatrax. But the original reason that was given was that DK Publishing and Lucasfilm didn't really want to publish the book. But then there was a revision that said, well, our insider is now being told that Lucasfilm has delayed the book because they want to coordinate more with all of the different things that are happening with the new shows that are in development. Okay, that could very well be. That's a legitimate reason. Is if you're going to do the Mandalorian visual guide and then you have you, you have all of these other shows that are about to dro drop, you're going to end up doing a revision at some point anyway. So might as well hold it, and then you add more information, and then you can publish it. I don't know how many times the Star Trek compendium has been revised and, and reissued. You get those things. I get it. That's fine. But that's Pablo Hidalgo's book. And it's funny that it's the one that got delayed after the big dust-up between... Hidalgo, and Star Wars Theory. So, Mrs. Boss, why are you screaming at the TV? Oh, it was in response to Robert's Orwell. Oh, 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 oh. The Orwell, the Orwell thing. Yes, you know nobody can hear you, right? Okay. But this thing with Ban, it's just another example of what people deny exists. The cancel culture is real, ladies and gentlemen. And however you want to spin it, however people want to deny it, however people want to poo-poo it, oh no, it's, cult, it's, it's, it's consequence culture. B.S. Absolute BS. There is a difference between the consequences for a decision that you make, the consequences for a choice you make, and what this dogpiling has us dealing with. Not us personally, thank goodness. 
But I'm sure it's coming. But the dogpiling and the brigading and the false flagging and the and the and the look look at them, look at them, the finger pointing. It's just beyond ridiculous. Richard Meyer had a had a video the other day that he posted. He says, All right. He says, SJWs, that group, that particular ideology, those on the progressive far left, have been in charge of the comic book industry for nigh on six years now. I mean, solid lock in control of the comic book industry for six years. What do they have to show for it? In terms of groundbreaking, influential, high-impact books in the comics industry over the last six years, what is there? What do they have to show for their control of an entire industry? Where is the next Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns or Killing Joke or Avengers vs. X-Men or Crisis on Infinite Earths or Secret Wars or, I'll go there, Brand New Day. The Clone Saga. All of, all of these big, high-impact things. Even, even single-issue comics that stand out over time. Where are those? And you can make that question... You can could, you could apply that question across various different industries. Where are the, the, the instant classics... Where are the hits? Where are the one where are the pieces of art and literature that will stand out and stand the test of time? Martin Scorsese's got an article, an essay over at Harper's Bazaar, uh, Harp, Harper's Bazaar, Harper's Magazine. And he starts with a celebration of the career of Federico Fellini. And Woven into this article is uh, a thread of thought about how cinema has changed, how the entertainment world has changed. It's no longer about art. It's no longer about what moves you. It's purely about commerce and he says used to be when you talked about content you were talking about what's in the movie what's in that story what matters why it matters what matters to you you look at craft why did the camera do this what, did the, what was the director trying to do with this effect all of those different things. The content is what's actually within that package, that movie, that TV show, whatever. It says nowadays content is a product. And we've lost the ability, in, in the general sense, we've lost the ability to appreciate the artistic aspects of cinema the art of going to the movies and appreciating the art form of movies. 
Now it's just another product. It's show business, yes, and a lot of people say, you know, remember, it's a business. These are not your friends. These are your coworkers. These are whatever, and, and there are consequences to that, and that's, that's true to a point. But you get to where we are now, where everything has to make a billion dollars, and there is no art left, and people who have a different set of sensibilities... might or might not be allowed to create their art. Because the left has such a stranglehold on the creativity, the creative outlets. But is that going to change soon? Because there have been a number of places where there's movement along those lines where maybe not necessarily conservative media, but not crazy lunatic left media has gotten a foothold. YouTube is among those places. And now you've got with, for example, Daily Wire getting into producing movies and entertainment. Run, Hide, Fight is a good example of that. It's the first movie that, that, uh, that Daily Wire has put out. It hit the, the, uh, the film festival circuit back in September, and it's been out for a while. I think it, uh, December it started to hit screens. And it has a 93% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. 93%. Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire made a movie about a school shooting, no less. And it sits at 93% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Meanwhile, over on the critic scores, it hadn't even cracked 30% yet. I think it's somewhere around 22, 23 last time I looked. If that high. The critics hate it. But of course the critics hate it. Ben Shapiro made it. Whether Ben Shapiro was directly involved in it or not, I mean, he didn't direct it, he didn't write it. But his company made it, so of course we have to hate it. With Gina Carano getting so much attention over how Disney handled that, I mean, she's sitting right now at IMDb Star Meter number one. She is, by their standard of measure, and that looks at popularity, media coverage, how many news articles are being published, what kind of work you've been doing lately, yada, bada, 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 bada. There's a big, there's a big formula to factoring in on this. Gina Carano is number one. And you look at some of the rest of the people there in the top 20, and, and a good number of them are connected to the Marvel projects. Elizabeth Olsen's on that list. Evan Peters is on that list. Christopher Plummer is sitting there at number 12, but he just died. So there's a number of news articles about him and retrospectives about his career. Pedro Pascal is sitting at number 16. Gina Carano right now 
has an opportunity. And I think she recognizes that. And I think when she sits there and says, I'm going to use my voice and it's freer now than it ever has been, I think there's an opportunity here. And with the pandemic, I'm pulling in a number of points here. You see how I do this because I'm a media professional. With the, perf- with the, with the pandemic shutting down our movie theaters and the studios not having an opportunity to put all these tentpole blockbuster billion-dollar movies out in the theaters, it changes the economics of Hollywood. And it presents an opportunity here, and I've said this before, but I'll reiterate, it presents an opportunity for the movie theaters to scale back. We saw it, we've seen it now with, with the comics industry. DC Comics has cut their line almost in half. And they fired a number of editorial staff and they've 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 trimmed down. You cut your costs. And one of the worst things they did was move DC Comics from New York to Burbank, where it's hugely expensive to live much less work. And yes, it puts it all under the same Warner Media umbrella and they're in the same place. Fine. But in this day and age of the internet and Zoom and Skype and all these other things, there is no there's no logistical legitimate reason for everybody to be in the same building. DC Comics should have stayed in New York. Or at the very least, moved out of New York to some place that was economically more beneficial. Florida, Texas, Nevada. There's different ways that you could do that. But now DC Comics is hemorrhaging. So you trim everything back and you scale back your output and you scale back the work that you're doing and you cut your costs and you put everything that you have into your best work. Hollywood has the opportunity to do the same kind of thing here. Because I don't think that Run, Hide, Fight was made with billions of dollars. It's not a billion dollar baby. It's, it's hundreds of thousands, maybe a couple of million. This is an opportunity for Hollywood to scale back and sit there and go, okay, maybe it's time now that we go back, like Scorsese is talking about, make those artistic films make the films that you want to make make the films that you need to make make the films you have a passion to make and worry about how much bank you're getting later because you can have those and 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 you've got actors and directors people like like Clint Eastwood for example I will take this job so that I can get paid and use this money to go make this other film that I want to make. That's a business decision. And some, pla- some places you have people that are sitting there going, well, yeah, I'll be in a Marvel movie because my grandkids will love it. They're not doing these things for business and economic reasons so much. They want to do it for fun. It's time to go back to start making movies and TV shows for the fun of making those and telling those stories. And if it's not a story that you like, that's fine. You don't have to watch it. 
You don't have to support it, but you also don't have to drag it on social media and explain exactly why the wrong people are telling the wrong kind of story. It's none of your business. If Ben Shapiro wants to make a movie and he's got the money, then he can make a movie. If, if Kevin Spacey wants to make a movie and he's got the money, he can make a movie. If he can find the people who will do it with him. No matter what your personal feelings are about X, if someone has the resources and they have the wherewithal and they are able to create something, they have a right to create something. Now... As an audience, you don't necessarily have to partake, and that's fine. Different strokes, different folks. You don't have to. You don't have to like everything. But you also don't have to dogpile the people who do like the thing you don't like. And there can be differences of opinion about. The Last Jedi, or Steven Universe, or Eight and a Half from Fellini. Scorsese's gushing about Eight and a Half. It was one of Fellini's first movies. I saw Eight and a Half about 30 years ago. I did not like it at all. But this is Martin Scorsese. He loves Eight and a Half. He thinks it's a brilliant movie. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, as I'm reading this article here, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe now that I'm now that I'm 50, maybe I should go back and look at eight and a half again, because maybe I missed something the first time around when I was young and and full of myself when I was in my 20s. Maybe I missed something. So maybe I should go back and look at eight and a half. And maybe there's something there that I will learn to appreciate from an artistic standpoint. Maybe. I'm not I I'm I'm really not feeling it. But I could be wrong. Sci-fi stuff. Uh, there could be no differences of opinion. Everyone must follow the left and believe what they believe. It feels like it sometimes. How dare you disagree with me? Let's get you fired. Let's get you deplatformed off of off of all of your social media. Let's uh, have all of your friends shun you. Um, let's have your former, now former employer, uh, 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 there's the, yeah, but there's a word I'm looking for. Um, oh... It just it just flew out of my head. Um, disavow. Have your former employer uh, employers disavow you. Let's have your insurance company drop your your, your policy, and let's have uh, let's have the IRS audit your taxes. This this is what I'm talking. This is what the cancel culture does. It's not enough to just get you fired. It's not because em- employment is between you and your employer. It's between you and your boss. Your boss decides, we don't like what you're doing, you're fired. That's different from what these people are calling for. 
These are the same people that are celebrating Rush Limbaugh's death. These are the people that are, that celebrated Gina Carano getting fired. Now let's let's drop her from the talent agency. Let's do all of this to to cancel is is not the right word. I think we we look at cancel culture, and I don't think we're seeing it for what it is. We're not we're not we ha- it hasn't been properly labeled. It's not the cancel culture. It's a dehumanizing cult. We're going to turn you into a non-person. That's one of the reasons why nobody really gives a flip about all of the stormtroopers getting killed in the first three Star Wars movies or all of the clones getting killed in the second three Star Wars movies. is because they have a helmet on and you don't see them as people. And when you don't see a particular group as people, it is so easy to be evil toward them. When you decide that a certain class of people is not worth the same as you, then you're putting Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps in China, and Disney doesn't say boo about it. And you talk about a double standard. This same Walt Disney Company that thanked China for being able to shoot in this province where they have concentration camps, this same China who said, the same Disney who doesn't say anything about that particular policy is the same Disney that threatened to take all of their productions out of the state of Georgia over an anti-abortion bill. Don't tell me that these companies can stay apolitical. They only pick and choose what they stay apolitical about. And when you have this, uh, when you have this group, and this, and and I, I, the the guy's name escapes me. It's it's, uh, um, oh, let me look here. I want to I want to get this right, um, because I want to make sure that I get that I get it right. Um, Judah Engelmeyer, who is a uh, a PR and crisis communications. He's the one that's quoted in the Hollywood Reporter article about how whatever your personal politics are, you have to kowtow to the left in Hollywood. And this gets Bob Iger into consideration as an ambassador to China. Don't tell me that's not an accident. You have all of these articles now, these hit pieces on Gina Carano that have been coming out over the week, and then you've got uh, a couple of a couple of fawning articles in the in the Hollywood trade pay, uh, trade publications about how great Kathleen Kennedy is. That's no accident of timing. And then you have this, whatever this is, about Ryan Johnson's trilogy, and now everybody's talking about Ryan Johnson's trilogy is still going to be a thing. It's a distraction. Because people are talking about the Ryan Johnson trilogy, and we're not talking about Gita Carano. See how that works? These are the Madagascar penguins. You didn't see anything. Hand wavium. Ooh. 
and they get you talking about this boogeyman over here, and at, at the same time, they're distracting you from the real villain back over there. Don't lose focus. Don't lose sight of whatever goals that you have in your life, in your professional career, in your, in your, in your personal life. Don't let other people try to tell you what to think and then try to dehumanize you if you don't think the right things. That post that Gina Carano shared. And again, nobody's talking about the fact that she didn't, she didn't originate a lot of these social media posts that she shared. She's sharing them from other sources. We're not talking about that. Everybody keeps saying, well, Gina wrote this and Gina wrote that. No, she didn't. She shared what other people were thinking. By that thing about the Holocaust, the thing about what happened back then? That's not 1944 Germany. That's 1938, 1939, and 1940. That's the media and society teaching us to turn on our neighbors. And that's what she was calling out. And that's what she got canceled for. But she's not going to stay down for very long. We already know this. I'm looking at this camera shot here and I'm suddenly seeing my glasses are crooked. What a way to end the show. On that note, since my glasses are crooked and I know it just kind of makes it very difficult for anybody to just sit here and look at me. I will, uh, I will wrap with that. Uh, this week... We are going to have a discussion about the latest Star Wars news on the Ranker Pit. Originally, normally it's scheduled for Fridays, but we're going to move it. And I need to make a, a new graphic. We'll be posting over on social media. The Ranker Pit this week will be on Thursday night at 9 p.m. And Cameron Pasha will be joining us. And I have sent out invitations for a couple of other people to uh, be our guests. I think Tom from Midnight's Edge will pop in. And uh, hopefully, you know, you never know. You never know. We've sent an invite to uh, to uh, Judah Engelmeyer. I've sent an invite to Barry Weiss. I don't think they'll show up, but you never know. So Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, a new Ranker Pit. And then Saturday on... Uh, Saturday after, after Good Morning Multiverse, Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern, a new discussion of horror, Mr. Harvey and Mrs. Walker, on foreign bodies. And this one will be live. Normally we pre-record, but uh, Mrs. Walker's been having power problems. So we're going to roll the dice, and we're going to have a live edition of Foreign Bodies this week. We hope you join us for that. In the meantime, of course, we do invite you to check out any of the rest of the videos that we have here. If you're new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe. We're not going to hate on you if you don't. And if you like any of this stuff on your way out, if you want to give us a thumbs up, and let us know. You can always leave us a comment or uh, send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. Let us know what you think. Suggest topics, suggest guests. And remember, 
there are four lights. Thanks for being here, everyone. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.